Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 20 from Monday, December 17th, 2018. My name is Joel Duggan and jingling along with me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello. <laughs> our last podcast of 2018, but not our last po- last podcast overall. I should hasten to add that because I, I had <laughs> Don't a... Don't language a, like that. <laughs> I had a moment that was like, yeah, it's going to be our last podcast of the year. And then I was like, oh God, what if I say last podcast and everyone goes, <gasps> what? <laughs> like you didn't tell us this was going to be a, a 20 episodes and done. Like you got a hard out at 20. No, of course not. But uh, this is the last time we're going to be saying 2018. At the beginning of these, which is oh gosh, yep. that's that's take the, your bets now as to how many episodes and how many takes it takes us in the new year to get twenty nineteen <laughs> without we're gonna we're gonna change the show notes, but it's all gonna yeah it's it's all gonna kick yeah. off saying saying that's January again is gonna be a strange thing. Yeah, I find it hard to believe it's December seventeenth. Like oh yeah, that's that's where I'm just like whoa, what? I have how long to get ready for Christmas? I've yeah. got how long to finish these commissions before you know? Because I I try to give myself a break at the holidays. I don't always get a whole week off, but I try to stop working around the twenty second. You know, and then mm-hmm. I'll I, if I have a lot to do, if I need to do a lot of work, then I will work between Christmas and New Year's. But I generally. January first and maybe January second. I try to just take it easy. I don't. Yeah. I don't go back until the third or the fourth. Or sorry, I shouldn't say that. I'm talking about in between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, Boxing Day. So like twenty twenty eighth, twenty ninth, I might do some work, but I I try not to to put in like a full full yeah. It's always a, it's a weird gray area between Christmas and New Year where you're like, I have all this time that I feel like I could be doing something because these just feel like normal days. It's like after everyone's had all the Christmas stuff has maybe gone home again, but then. New Year is mm. on the horizon, so you don't want to really commit to getting back into work just yet because you know you're going to have a couple of extra days. But yeah, it's it's a funny one. It's it's the reason I've been uh, backlogging episodes for my survival guide series because I'm actually spending nice. a week up in the north of England where my family lives. My um, mum and dad and both my sister and her husband all live up there along with some sort of other relatives from that side of the family. So we're uh, we're all kind of in one place for Christmas a lot of the time. So... This week I've been backlogging survival guide episodes. I've been transporting villagers around. I've been I, I have a mending an infinity villager that now lives in my base. <laughs> that was last week's survival guide. Was basically nice. finding that guy and getting him there. It's funny, he tra- he traded mending as his first trade, which I was incredibly happy about. Brought him back to the base, unlocked the next trade he had infinity, unlocked the final book trade. It was like Curse of Vanishing <laughs> or something. And it was more expensive than the other two books combined. So I was like, yeah, you can stay here, but you know, buck your ideas up, mister. But uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a lot of survival guide stuff. Uh, really enjoying being in a single player world and just kind of logging in and doing whatever whenever and not having to worry about keeping abreast of the other developments that would be on a a multiplayer server it's actually kind of refreshing uh yeah i can see that being very tempting i mean i play on two multiplayer servers now and granted the citadel is is a lot of me and and some people that play very Mm -hmm. casually but i you know as a considerate person you're always taking everybody's you know uh, we'll say server livelihood into into consideration you don't want to overstep or or it's not it's it's for that it's less about the building and more about like the uh data packs and like what do we want to do like what mm-hmm. features of the game do we want to turn on or off and blah 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 and so it's all you're always kind of considering that kind of stuff but i i uh in playing on vast and logging in and, and playing what i like about the multiplayer server there is that it's so busy so there's never a loss for something to do and the mm-hmm. plans are so large that it's like if you're bored with what you're doing you can just email or or drop someone a line in the discord and there's 
always someone that would be just like, yes, please help me dig this giant oh, hole. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, like just there's always something to help with where you don't have to think. You just someone just aims you and says, hey, collect this or help there or whatever. So <laughs> yeah. that's nice. Um, but yeah, creatively, I've definitely been inspired by doing stuff on Vastin and wanting to do my own single player. And I'm like, nope, Joel, you're not allowed. There's no, there's no way. <laughs> there's not enough hours in the day. Third. No. And I'm so I'm, I'm been I've been you've been building up a backlog and I've been kind of saving up the backlog because mm -hmm. over the holidays, one of the things I want to do is catch up on your survival series. I've actually been recommending it to friends. I've had a number of people uh, in on Facebook, uh, probably just because kids are getting ready to be off in the holidays and people are talking about Christmas gifts and what kids are into and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And yeah. they've been talking about Minecraft. It's like, I can't, my kid is just, you know, he just discovered Minecraft or he's, he's all of his friends are in it or the trends at school are so weird. Like one minute it's this game and the next minute it's another and so uh, they were asking for, um, you know, com or complaining about content. I was like, oh, I've got some recommendations for you. <laughs> so, of course, I recommended the survival guide and then, you know, Wells and some of the other hermits. And basically, they were looking for, like, family-friendly, you know, content they didn't have to really vet for their kids. They could say, like, look, he's like eight. It's like, yeah, you can sit him down or her down. Let them watch this stuff. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, sure, sure, monitor your screen time, but like it's you don't have to worry about the content itself. There's no swearing. There's no lewd stuff. It's all just really fun, uh, creative content uh, and inspiring. Like it's it's the kind of thing where like. I don't have kids, but I would imagine I would be really keen on letting my kids watch things like Decidedly Vanilla and Survival Guide because it's creative. Like it's not just mindless stuff yeah right? i feel like that's one of the things that sets minecraft apart from other games is it's a very proactive game and it allows for that kind of level of artistic creativity and imagining stuff that isn't present in some of the other games where it's just like objective based or shooter based or that kind of thing you've always got mm. to be thinking about what's coming up next and it allows for some very inventive stuff. I mean, it's if you're looking at stuff like Redstone, for example, it's basically giving your kid a background in electronics from age four. So yeah. there, there are there are definitely elements of that, and and there's a chance to have some fun as well. Like one of the other uh, the other things I recorded this week was a quick collab with my buddy's Loy, who I do the Hermitcraft recap with. He loves playing uh, horror maps on Minecraft Bedrock Edition. And he sometimes does like art for the people who sell their maps through the marketplace. So he gets the hookup. He gets like, you know, a copy of a map before it launches, or maybe somebody will just send him a copy of it to kind of review. Uh, and we played a kind of horror themed map, kind of along the same line as the, the Slenderman kind of games where you're just walking around getting notes and trying not to get eaten by the big scary thing. And yeah, it's just a, a really nice kind of mansion build with lots of different rooms and randomized objectives to go through. And even that is kind of creativity in and of itself because it's, you know, showcasing somebody else's work and, and what's possible with that. There's a great kind of resource pack in there and it's genuinely quite a fun experience, but a very short one as well. We managed to play through this map three times in a matter of about 20 minutes Oh, so, wow. so that, yeah, there's the, there's a lot of these kind of short bite sized kind of experiences that you can have with Minecraft and then go back to playing the kind of the, the core mm -hmm. game experience, the survival game, the, the one that we all know and love at this point. Yeah. And I think, too, that it's nice that it's not one of those games that requires you to be, you know, 16 with Twitch reflexes. Oh, yeah. You know, to, to survive. I mean, like uh, potentially, you know, depending on how tech savvy they are, grandparents could play this with with grandkids. On and the couch, and frequently on, on they Xbox. do. Yeah, I've, I've definitely yeah, heard like from them. 
Yeah, like it's 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 not a super difficult thing to do. So I'm curious because of uh, I'm looking forward to catching up on Survival Guide over the holidays. Have you got into now building stuff like instructions on on that? Like you started to encroach on your own one chunk build territory. <laughs> I haven't actually done much in the way of like planning and preparing builds. We've done a couple of things, and most of the actual building is stuff I've done sort of mm-hmm. off camera for the most part. I mean, I, I've started decorating a sugarcane farm, which I kind of said, we're going to build the inside of this first because the actual functional sugarcane farm part is the bit that matters. But I'm going to build a house around it because I don't like to have a farm just sitting there in the open with no context mm-hmm. for it in the surrounding environment. Uh, right. The other thing I've done is plan this giant wheat field and build a windmill. And I built the windmill on camera, but it's the windmill from my one chunk tutorial. So I kind of said, I'm going to build this and talk about my philosophy when it comes to building, what I like to do to integrate my builds into the surrounding environment and what I can imagine going mm. in the other places around me while we're building this thing. If you want to see the step-by-step tutorial, just go and watch the one chunk video because that's nice. all there for you. So I'm nice. trying to tie it back in and... Thankfully, that windmill is something that kind of fits in with the scale of what I've built. But if I was going to build my, say, my one chunk rustic house, it's actually a little bit smaller than the starter house I created because the starter house was built with, oh, I'll need to store a bunch of stuff in here and have enchanting and brewing and everything all in the same place. Right. So now I'm kind of scaling up my vision for what this area is going to be like. And so I'm thinking I'm going to try out a bit of stuff off camera and and do a little bit of building off camera before I settle on, okay, I think I know what the style is for this area. Now here's how I plan it all out. It also helps me kind of crystallize my thoughts when it comes to that stuff because I don't always explain what I do super well. And that's been the battle with Survival Guide is explaining everything in a concise way instead of just following my instincts and doing what comes naturally. Stuff that you've done a thousand times, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's always the trouble with any kind of instruction or breakdown is that you really have to slow yourself down to like, okay, what if I was, what if I've been playing Minecraft for five minutes? Like, mm-hmm. I need to kind of look at this from a brand new perspective. And it's, been, I, it's uh, been funny seeing people comment on that as well and saying like, oh, you know, you're going at such a slow pace, and I'm like, yes, because this is a guide for newish people, and like, <laughs> you know, I acknowledge all the time that there are people who are watching this who, you know, might just be here to pick up the odd tip here and there because they've already been playing Minecraft for four or five years, and there's yeah. there's people in the comments have said, oh, I didn't know that you could do that when i say uh brew a potion of weakness to cure a zombie villager without using nether wart because you can do that you just pop in a fermented spider eye and they're like oh that's a tip i didn't know and stuff stuff like that comes up for those people so i encourage them to stick around because there's always something you've forgotten that it's easy to learn again i did not know that either actually there you go that's good to know there's your tip Uh, for the week (laughs) tip for the week yeah yeah, yeah. merry christmas Uh, Feather in the cap. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Nice. Feather in the cap. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned scale because that's something that I've been struggling with lately. And uh-huh. I'm curious that when you get to the building, you know, building more complex stuff on survival guide because curves, curves are hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I have been struggling with both. So I was streaming uh, last week and and dealing with uh, some stuff on the Citadel. And it like it's a curved staircase. It's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. But it's not a circle either. It's it's like an S curve. So it yeah. comes in one way, curves, and then curves out the other way. And I was trying to get it to look right, trying to get it to look even, trying to get it to be wide in the middle but narrow at the end. And oh, dude, it took me three hours to get yeah. this thing right. Yeah. And it was like I to the point where I was getting concerned with like how many times I was going up and down this ladder to look at it from above on stream. Like I made a dirt pillar and put a ladder on it just so I can get up and down and look at the thing and say like, okay. Where, where do I need to move this out by a block? And every time I went up, I just had to edit it just a little bit more and a little bit more. And it just reminded me that, like, you know, when you're attempting stuff like that, planning 
uh, in the early stages is essential. And so uh, I've been spending a lot of time planning for stuff on the Vastin server. I've been voluntold that I am working on the tree uh, mm -hmm. in, in Vastin. Uh, I think in part that I did I did some concept art and and people really liked it. And I'm uh, there's two artists currently on the build team in Vastin. One um, I'd be pretty sure it's Pixel Brew. He's a graphic designer though, so mm -hmm. I I don't know necessarily what his drafting chops are like, but. He's been really busy lately. He's got a family. So I just kind of went in and said, all right, I'd like to try and lay this tree out because we're at the stage now where people want to build the city, but the city needs to know where the castle is and the castle needs to know where the tree is. Yeah, so it yeah. All kind there's, of there's a hierarchy. From, in, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a focus. It's, it's a giant, not a giant ring, but essentially the center of the city is this tree. So you can't really build up to something where you don't know where the something is. Yeah. So I had to go in and I had to make some circles and, and I mean, they're rough. They're just meant to be like, okay, this is probably the biggest the tree is going to get. So if you don't come any closer than this, then we're fine. And so I've been drawing these curves in the air and I'm trying to, I'm thinking about, like, I come from a 2D background. Like I draw classically flat Photoshop paper, like I don't do modeling. So Minecraft is, is kind of like this weird in-between where it's like really low res modeling. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out the best approach to draw this tree or create this tree and show guidelines for people. So we've picked this point in the map where you're viewing the tree from like the, the, the shore. And so I can take a screenshot from the same location every time and then drop that into Photoshop. So why I did not think to do some pixel art of the stairs for 20 minutes before my stream and save myself probably two hours. Of yeah. messing around and just trying like just oh the stairs were so frustrating probably more so because i had a live audience it was like okay here i am failing at minecraft for two hours yeah but yeah. but the the tree is coming along quite nicely and what i'm what i'm doing and i for anybody out there i'm i'm curious for the technical community to send me some tips for two reasons one i have never built anything this large to give you an idea the tree starts at about y 88 80 like 90 and goes to build height right yeah so, it so we're talking like 56 yeah, yeah we're talking roughly like yeah 170 180 blocks yeah it's mahusive uh and it's also not a straight line like it's not a minecraft tree like it, it winds think like you know twisted think like bonsai tree covered in frost mm -hmm. and that scale now it's thinner it's meant to be tall and thin not like squat and, and wide like a bonsai but it has that kind of twisty trunk to it so it's not it's not a, a straight line and so what i'm doing is i'm drawing it in silhouette kind of like an outline first so that when we look at it from the, the main entrance of the city you'll get the, the look of that silhouette I then will eventually push that silhouette so it's not all on the same axis. So like the you know, like the trunk of the tree at the bottom might be closer to you and then it might twist away from you. But I'm just drawing in the, the silhouette first. So if anybody builds big like that, let me know because that, I, that's the only approach I can think of. Um, and then I'm just going to place like ovals and circles and stuff kind of like up the skeleton as to say okay it's this wide here and it's that wide there and whatever and then i mean obviously i'm not doing this all by myself once i get kind of like the form in i can kind of i can grab some people from vast and say okay look we got to fill this in like mm -hmm. just fill in the curves i mean everybody there is a good builder and like we have to make this look organic we're going to be using dead coral and cobble and snow and and uh, ice and packed ice and stuff but it should look really good in the end but it's very intimidating to work that large uh so I put in an infrastructure where there's bubble columns that go to 130, 190, and 240. Yeah. And I'm, I'm telling you, man, 
best mechanic in the game ever. <laughs> Just tree elevators. Whoa. Yes. It takes three rockets to get to 240, FYI. Yeah. Or you could just jump in an elevator and just go get a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. a long ride. It's I, I a have, really long ride. I have yet to cover bubble column stuff too heavily in Survival Guide, but once I get to that, I'm just going to be zipping up and down the mountains near my base, I think. It's, uh, it's so easy to get so around good. that way. So good. Speaking of new features added to the game, we had a new snapshot drop in the last week since we did a podcast. Uh, Minecraft Snapshot 18W50A which is the last snapshot of the year confirmed from mm-hmm. Mojang. Uh, what, uh, what were some of the things that stood out to you uh, in, the, in the Minecraft snapshot this week? I think the functionality for some of those new blocks is probably the highlight. Um, having blast furnaces and smokers actually reveal their purpose to us at last was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very cool. Blast furnaces are for ore smelting only, and they do that twice as fast as a furnace. I'm pretty sure people have done speed tests for them and it is roughly twice as fast. Uh, mm-hmm. Smokers do the same, but for food. So it's it's not completely replacing furnaces. Furnaces still do all of the above and at the usual speed. But when it comes to late game stuff, you can branch out. You can start building, you know, furnace arrays that are specifically for smelting ores and you will have the blast furnace to do that. In fact, I'm pretty sure that also includes glass, like smelting sand into glass, but I haven't tested that myself and I don't think anybody really mentioned it. So No, yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. I don't know if it's only ores. If it's if it doesn't affect glass, then it's not as big of a yeah, help no, as you th- cause, because the other thing would be uh, nether rack into nether brick. Yes, yeah, and so I'm fairly certain that blast furnaces are going to take care of any materials which are not food. Uh, but yeah, again, right. need to need to kind of make sure that they're covering the full range of things that you would want to smelt fast. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, we still have furnaces for that. That's the, that's the main thing. So I'm glad that they are diversifying that and lending like if effectively Minecraft has more of a tech tree now than it did, which is exciting as a prospect, because before we were just used to using furnaces for the entire game and then, you know, modifying furnaces from there, it, whether it's in like a mod pack or if it's, you know, turning it into a giant, automatic smelter array uh but yeah blast furnaces will potentially make that a lot faster and maybe it's going to have the effect that we suggested it might back in you know whatever podcast that was a few episodes ago where we said well if people's end game furnace arrays are going to be full of things that can smelt stuff twice as fast then maybe that reduces lag on a server because they're not using as many because it all happens super quickly so there's no need for right. you know 64 furnaces when you could have 16 blast furnaces doing more or less the same thing um, yeah, we also the have... bottleneck there is that the hoppers won't be able to keep up. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I, I'm I'm curious about that. But considering that a regular furnace would smelt stuff at a much slower rate than you know the output of a hopper anyway, I think right, it's probably 2X not going to be might not be close to it. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be too much of a problem unless you're bottlenecking it through a single hopper that's going to you know have 64 items going through it at once. So right. yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna involve a little bit of a rejigging with the redstone just to make things a little bit smarter, I think. But for the most part, it's a it's a good change, and it's interesting to see them actually open to adding stuff like faster smelting, which I'm sure people yeah. have wanted for the longest time. Yeah. I mean, you of, can you can sorry, go ahead. Half of Minecraft is just waiting around for stuff to happen when you get to that stage of the game, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, Ilmango made a video, and it's something like seven thousand items per hour or yeah. something. Yeah, bananas. Uh, he, it's the same idea. It, he his design really didn't change. It's this auto smelter that puts everything in this in the furnaces at the exact same time, so uh, it doesn't waste any fuel. 
Uh, and it just it just happens to be that's the same eight or eleven furnaces or whatever his max you know lineup was as his furnace array, except for of course instead of three thousand or thirty five hundred items, it goes seven thousand because they're blast furnaces as opposed to regular furnaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm a little surprised that it's just it's just a faster UI. Like it's not like you can actually input two different things from two different sources. Like for example, you're smelting iron twice as fast, but you're you're not smelting two items at once. You know, like you can't smelt iron and netherrack at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm curious as to, you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a straight up, I guess, you know, it's just a speed improvement. But for ores, you're just like, well, it's awesome for food in the smoker. But for ores, you're like, well, once I have an iron farm and a gold farm, I don't have any ores to smelt anymore. Yeah, yeah. Once, so once you're getting that stuff from automatic farms yeah. of other kinds and you're getting them in ingot form instead of the actual ore blocks, I suppose that's a, yeah. a different prospect. But then, yeah, that's that's when you get into stuff like sand into glass and, yeah, netherrack yes. into nether brick and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and that's, and that's where the, my ears perk up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that they updated was uh, villagers uh, and uh, changes to raids, uh, along with some other um, small things like, oh, I don't know, there's a new cat in the game. <laughs> yes, so excited for Good Times with Scar having Jelly in the game at last. And I've seen a few people, um, there's there's a rabbit in the game that if you name tag a rabbit toast, it turns into a rabbit that was, uh, I think, Notch's girlfriend's rabbit or something like that. Uh, right. and so somebody on the Minecraft Reddit uh, spawned in the cat on top of that rabbit and was like, hey, look, jelly on toast, <laughs> which, I thought, which I thought was kind of adorable. Um, but yeah, That's we've uh, we, we've had... Um, oh, we, we forgot to talk about barrels. Barrels are a thing now as oh, well. Oh, right. I kind of skipped, skipped past some of this stuff because some of the things were just like... The, the, the word functionality was, I don't know, maybe loosely... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, barrels aren't Bandied really about. aren't really anything right now. I mean, they're, they're they're chests that you don't have to have a block on top of, uh, or you don't have to have an open block above them for them to open, right? Because you can you can just go through the inventory of a barrel by right clicking on the block. But that's yeah, that that's it. So, somehow, yeah, that's it. And and it's not like a, a larger chest inventory. You can't have like a double chest size inventory in a single barrel there is there yeah. are some unused textures of the barrels being full of stuff i think there is one that's full of fish which again kind of implies that they might have something to do with the fishermen villagers but yeah there's not really much special about barrels other than you know their chests you can kind of tuck away in little cubby holes if you've not got mm. the space to open a normal chest because there's a solid block above it that's really yeah. it so a little it's, bit disappointed yeah. in that maybe but i don't know what else they might have done with them except maybe use them as like a storage for fluids so if you wanted to put like a uh, several buckets of water in a single barrel you could do right. that and just have like a a water source you can constantly take from but you can already do that with water <laughs> there's no there's yeah. no reason for you just not to make an infinite water source so it's, yeah. yeah i i feel like uh one of the things that they they could do with barrels and technical community that's listening let me know because i'm curious about this is that if you put something in a chest does the game itself then treat that chest differently? Like if you've got a chest full of cobble and a chest full of wood, does the game know the difference? Because if that was the case, then if you filled a barrel with cobble, it would be cool if the top texture of the barrel changed to make it look like it was full of cobble. Yeah. Alleviating the need to put signs or item frames on all of your storage. Like if you could just have a bunch of barrels all lined around and they all have different 
tops to them, which wouldn't have to be anything new. You just recycle the existing texture of those blocks, right? Like just put the cobblestone texture, you know, inside the barrel texture, just copy and paste it and have it appear when it's full of cobble. You know, I thought the limitation on the barrels might be like, hey, yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a storage bin, but you can only put one kind of item in it. Like once you put cobble in there, then the only thing it will accept is cobble. And then they, you could almost uh, use that as like an item filter technology as well, if you wanted to. Yeah, like yeah. that would be that would be a really cool idea too. Now I didn't try it myself, but I did see in a in a YouTube video. I think it was Cub Fan that I watched, um, where he had he was testing out the furnaces, and all of the hoppers pulling items out of the furnaces were pointing into barrels, so barrels can accept uh, hoppers, much like a chest. Does. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel um, like they've they've just got the same kind of chest code copied and pasted onto them, as far as I can tell. It's, yeah. it's probably a little bit more sophisticated than that behind the scenes. Sure. But I'm just putting it in layman's yeah. terms here. Yeah, in terms terms of what we can what we can see, but but yeah, that, that looks good. Uh, and uh, the other thing that they 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 said they added, but I didn't hear it or see it, was the bell sound. This seems uh, there's to a be bell animation. It seems to be working for some people and not for others because I I was huh. watching my buddy Activink stream the other night and he was right clicking on a bell. It was ringing like there was actually a bong kind of sound. So I wonder mm. if that's just a hardware thing somehow. Like there's a, a, a sound file in the game that for whatever reason is being accessed for some users and not others. But I've, I've definitely heard it and it sounds like the ringing of a bell. It sounds like a low kind of sonorous bell sound to me. Hmm. Weird. I um, I like the animation. I mean, I thought that looked cool. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I tried that they didn't talk about at all because I thought that they might put it in there without letting anybody know. But you still can't put lanterns on the sides of things. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they said they were going to do that. Or maybe they they said that about the bells. I'm forgetting. But one of those things you couldn't add to the side of things, and now you can. The bell you can, the lantern you can't. When I did the bell, I thought, ooh, like my, my brain just kind of lit up, and I just immediately went to the inventory and grabbed a lantern. I was like, oh... <laughs> It didn't yeah, work. Yeah. It, I really what, wanted those to go on the side. One thing I would love to see with the bells is some sort of redstone functionality. I would love to have redstone functionality for most of these things, actually. Thinking about maybe mm -hmm. having the, the barrel being part of an auto-smelting setup, I would love to have uh, at least, like, a redstone signal that happens when you ring the bell. They were talking about that with the lectern, just sort of cryptically on Twitter before they announced right. the lectern originally. They mm -hmm. said, oh, what if it has a redstone signal if it's got a book in it or not? And mm. I think having like ringing a bell and that triggering some kind of redstone mechanism would be really great. Or alternatively, have the bell be able to be rung remotely by pulling a lever. Uh, I think one of the things people suggested on Ector's stream was that you put the bell like above the door to a shop. Say you're on a multiplayer server and you've got a shop. They uh, open the door, they walk in, they step on a pressure plate. It rings the bell as though it's one of those shop, shop doorbells kind of things. Yeah, that kind of thing would be really cool. I, the other thing that you could, you could potentially do is... Um... Uh, like use it as a uh like i'm thinking the specifically the new blocks i should talk about the block before i talk about the the idea but like blast furnishes and smokers and things like that like i feel like the the comparator output or something on those could be different than say a furnace i'm not even sure what the comparator output is on a furnace but i'm, I'm wondering if like because of the faster I guess you would just put it on the hopper, but like you know, the the faster output, you could potentially have a faster redstone tick coming, like a like a frequency, you know, from yeah, from you, those, you could those turn blocks. them into a clock or something, yeah, that that'd something be like that, yeah. Like I I don't know exactly what I mean because it, we, eventually they run out of fuel, they run out of something, but I just it's one of those things where 
it would be neat to have, I mean, I'm just thinking about more, maybe it's like the fun side of things. Like if you've got, you're cooking a bunch of chicken and you've got a restaurant build and every time new chicken comes up, it like the redstone output creates a ding, you know, yeah, maybe order that, up you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It has, has the bell. You know, I don't know whether that's, that's a thing. I mean, those, these are all things that you could potentially do with hoppers, but I feel like sometimes items go through hopper so quickly that the signal isn't strong enough. Like it doesn't actually read it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th that, and that's the level of redstone where it gets beyond me. Like I'm not quite sure how many ticks all that kind of stuff takes, but uh, there's some interesting, interesting stuff there. We should talk a little bit about the changes to villagers briefly because we had sure. a, um, th this is going to be a very chunk mail heavy episode. We didn't really mention that too much at the top of the show, but we, we mentioned it last week. We want to basically make this, the rest of this episode, the main bulk of the episode is going to be answering uh, community messages because we get a lot of those. It's been really yeah. nice reading a chunk mail basically every week uh since we we started the show more or less yeah, so it's been, so it's been about that hasn't it we, we wanted to kind of clear out the inbox before the holidays make sure some of these questions got answered and we had a very specific uh email relating to the villagers from this snapshot from uh from coco who's a member of our discord thank you coco uh who said uh so in this week's snapshot 18w50a moyang added villager variants for the swamp and jungle biomes but there are no villages for these biomes yet and i'm really excited to see both what we've seen so far has been amazing a, a huge upgrade from the villages we already had i think the swamp villages won't be too different to what we've already got maybe just more rustic and wet but i'm really curious to see how jungle villages turn out what do you all think i think having villages up in the trees would be much more immersive and unfortunately moyang has confirmed that villages won't naturally generate in swamps or jungles in fact all of the villages that they planned to include or update are already in the snapshot so that's tiger savannah plains snowy villages now as well and there's one other that i'm forgetting deserts that's the one so mm -hmm. all of the new villages are in the game and that means that the the villagers who have costumes for swamps and jungles and i think there might be one other costume that's like related to a biome are basically just for if you breed villagers in those biomes or maybe spawn them in creative using spawn eggs and that that's how you'll get those villager costumes but you'll have to build the villagers yourselves and whether that's you know a source for you know player creativity to you know custom build a swamp or a jungle village yourself or if that's just a bit of creative cop-out on Moyang's part, there is a uh, a lively debate happening. What what do you think about that? What Do you think they should have added swamp and jungle villages, or do you think maybe that's uh, a little bit too much and they're letting players take the lead on those? I think it's a combination. I think that having most of the biomes that matter, having villages, there's no ocean village either. You know, like th yeah. there's a lot of other biomes that could potentially have have those kinds of, you know, um, auto-generated things happening but I think that they've done the bulk of it like so out of the seven biomes or eight biomes here's like six you know like here's a chunk to show you how we've done it and that I think you know like you said inspires the player to maybe do other things mm -hmm. uh, however all the videos that I've been watching about the new villages and the new raids uh, the villages are still not being generated in a way that to me feels what's the word I'm looking for they don't look good the, the villages themselves, the houses will be taking 
like I, I there was two houses that were spawned on top of each other you yeah know, or yeah. You know, like there's things that make no sense it makes it makes the weird floaty mountains that happen sometimes in extreme hills look like child's play like some of these villages are wonky yeah i, th- uh, I think they've, they've still got to like fine-tune some of the code to make sure some of these you know generating oddities don't happen don't i think happen, that's, right? that's that's more of a uh, a problem with the current code because that even happens in one thirteen point two. when i was exploring yeah. a desert in the survival guide i found a desert that looked like it had been hit by an earthquake because it had generated on top of a sand dune and one half of a library kind of house with the bookshelves was like up on one part of the hill and the other part had like slid down to the bottom of this sand dune and it just kind of bisected the house completely and goodness knows where half of the villagers were trapped inside but uh yeah yeah, I i think they're probably still taking the code from the most recent version and applying it to these new villages in spots, even though they've got these jigsaw blocks that now kind of arrange villages in a certain way. I think there's still a little bit of headway to be made on those bugs. Yeah, but even in the best situation, the villages still do look kind of plunked. Mm. Uh, So then you take that and you put that in a swamp that has water everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then also think about just how many trees and foliage and all that kind of stuff is in a jungle. And I would not be surprised if it was, one, really technically challenging, two, un- just not aesthetically pleasing. Like, they might even get it to sort of maybe kind of work, and they might ultimately just be like, look, this looks terrible. You know, like, it, just, it, we, it would be better for the player to build it themselves, because when we auto-generate it, nine times out of ten, it looks like garbage. Yeah. Compared to, like, say, the Plains Village or the Desert Village, that nine times out of ten look great. So I, I think it could be just a simple artistic slash you know, uh, technical decision to be like, no, let's encourage the players to build their own Ewok village uh, and not have a village like mow a hole in the middle of a jungle, which let's face it, that would look weird, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to have like half jungle trees and like it's, it's like, it's what it's, I'm imagining the same sort of thing that's ha- that would happen is what happened on the Citadel when we moved it from a realm to a server and that we had a bunch of these displaced chunks and there were trees that were cut in half vertically. Like yeah. it was really bizarre. And I, I would imagine that's probably what happened just from, from what I've learned about this kind of stuff. I would say that's probably what happened and I'm okay with it. I think, I think not having swamps, uh, swamp villages, I wouldn't want to live in a swamp. Uh, and, and not having jungle villages is fine. I think it encourages the player, but, and then keeps the world looking, you know, the way that Mo Yang envisioned it. I actually started my villager breeder on DV season four up in the air in a jungle uh, and then had like minecart tracks going up to it if I wanted to retrieve them to put in my little villager trading area. But I kind of think if I did that in the new update when it finally arrives, then I would have a ton of jungle villagers to live in this dinosaur skeleton that I'd built down there. And I, I don't know, I like I like the idea of that. I like them having different costumes. And right now we were talking about this earlier in the week, actually, we were saying like, it's kind of difficult to distinguish the villagers based on what their costume is. Like the costumes don't feel like such an intuitive thing yet. It just kind of confuses you with how many villagers are there. But eventually once we get used to, you know, oh, the one with the monocle is the cartographer or whatever. The one with the big wide brimmed hat is definitely the farmer. It's going to be so much easier to look at them at a glance and know like, okay, that over there is the one I want to trade with instead of going around right clicking on every brown coated villager going, are you the farmer? Uh, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be nice to do that there is one other change i wanted to touch on briefly and that is they have these jewels on their belts now which actually indicate how many trades have been unlocked so they start off with like a little stone gem kind of thing on their belts and then once you 
uh, trade with them and unlock more trades, that changes to a gold one and then to a diamond one. So you can now also see at a glance which is the villager you've traded with the most. So if you mm. if you have, say, like a, a whole range of clerics and you're like, okay, the one I've traded with the most is the one who's got the really good bottle of enchanting trade that I want at the end of the... You look for the cleric with the diamond kind of button on their belt and that's how you know that's that one. So again, there there are you know, even more permutations to villager costumes, but even more ways of telling at a glance instead of going around talking to the entire village to make sure you're trading with the right person. And it, I think they also added another layer to the textures of the villagers. Like they have like a, like if you were to look at the texture files, which I haven't, but it looks like there's like a texture for the villager and then like a texture for their costume. Like yeah. there's an overlay sort of thing. So that opens up some custom textures. Like say you're doing a sci-fi build or a futuristic build. And if there's data in there to change something like a, a jewel or even just like change the outer texture file for this particular trade opening up, that means that you could maybe have, you know, something similar to like, say, Star Trek badges or, you know, command insignia or something like that oh, so yeah. the person with with one bar is a low trade and person the villager with three bars on their chest or something like that is a is is a is a better trade i mean you could also go so far as to turn them all into robots and have numbers on their chests i mean like <laughs> it, it, you could you could really if there's that kind of like ui integration into the textures then that opens up a lot of creativity for people that want to do some some really cool stuff like i'm i'm now just kind of going down this rabbit hole in my head of like well what if i changed all the villagers so they don't have faces they just have like those digital like the the digital um faces that robots have you know like where they have like the little pixelated smile and For the kind happy of faces and sad faces the and... daft punk helmet kind of thing where like there's a scrolling yeah. a scrolling display that tells you what their most reasonable trade is <laughs> <laughs> i want dead mouse as a villager that would be fantastic absolutely absolutely oh man too funny uh well speaking of textures we actually got another email from a listener shortly after the uh the episode i believe it was last week and uh, it is from jay glenn and he had said, hey, if you guys are ever confused about what textures got updated, take a look at this cool site. It is called texturecomparison.myportfolio.com. Uh, he said that Azumavoid pointed it uh, pointed out to him a while ago. And while it's not comprehensive, it's pretty good comparison for all the blocks. Uh, cheers and keep it up uh, regarding our podcast. Uh, I can't remember whether I mentioned this site on the show proper or in the uh, render distance last week or the week before, but uh, I have seen it before. However, at the time it was not as updated as it is now. The last update on the site is now uh, December 12th, only a, a few days ago, shortly after uh, week 50 came out. So the textures on this site have been updated for the latest snapshot. Uh, so thanks very much, Jay Glenn, for pointing that out. Uh, there was also uh, a feature of this in one of the Wells Knight videos that were out recently. Uh, it is a really cool way to quickly scroll through and find out like what block do I want to go into my texture thing and take a good look at you know like it, it's it's just a quick little indication like yes this got updated you may not be able to tell from the website precisely what changed sometimes you can but it is at least a, an avenue for you to say like oh they changed stone bricks I can't tell from the website but I bet if I go into the file on my computer I can probably figure out what happened and so it's, it's a really really good resource for that uh, it's a little bit difficult in terms of the language uh, he's got 1.13 v1 v2 v3 and then week 50. Now at the top of this of the page he indicates what version of the snapshots and what version of the texture packs are where. There's a little bit of a legend at the top there. Unfortunately when Moyang put out the latest snapshot they said we've updated some textures with 
absolutely no context. So <laughs> uh, I don't know whether the week 50 snapshot was we've included 3.3 textures in the snapshot or they've something they've gone beyond 3.3 and fixed some more things in the snapshot. So I don't know whether 3.3 and week 50 are synonymous or whether they're different. And I am not taking the time to go through every texture and figure out, figure out what's changed. But uh, I just, this is, a, it's an excellent look, you know, cause if you've got something that's changed and you don't know why you like it or don't like it, then you can go back and say like, oh, version two was that. I preferred version two. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't like version 3.3 or whatever that, that happens to be. The one thing that I caught or two things that I caught uh, in this scroll that I did not realize changed and significantly are glowstone and netherrack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I remember seeing some notes earlier that Jappa said that um, glowstone was going to be made more glowy and netherrack was going to be made more rough again. And that seems to have happened. It was a lot smoother around like the V2 kind of texture. And then this most recent one is a little bit rougher. It's got a little bit more kind of texture to it in the same way that he's added more texture to cobblestone and whether you like that or not is by the by i think netherrack mm -hmm. definitely looks a lot less noisy it seems a lot less random but it's still got that sort of gross thing that started to dip out when he radically changed it and is now kind of creeping back in it looks a little bit more organy again and yeah i think that's a upping the change. contrast yeah i mean the, i mean the netherrack is fine i mean it's not something i'm necessarily going to build with so mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't really phase me but something that i i do notice specifically that in this uh in this uh screenshot that they have it next to the nether quartz in the nether rack is mm -hmm. that the nether quartz is a lot easier to see yeah like it, it stands out a little really, more really going to be able to spot that from a mile away uh, and again, you know, like I feel like that that contrast and clarity shift it's what's is what's pushing a lot of a lot of these updates. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's cool. I'm thank you very much, uh, Jay Glenn, for for pointing that out. And I'm so glad that somebody has done this website as well because yeah, it really does make understanding the changes a little bit clearer. Mm -hmm. So so mm -hmm. props to whoever is responsible for the texture comparison site. Yeah, yeah. There was one other texture too that I wanted. To, there was a positive change. Oh, andesite again, oh, yeah. really subtle really subtle they changed the direction of the grains and they did a bunch of other things but it's actually it's actually pretty good now mm -hmm. um they because my i think my complaint with version three was that it was really hard to tell the difference between stone and andesite yeah like it was just really hard to see the difference in it because of the way that they've changed the way that the grain of the stone goes i think it, it might stand out a little bit more so yeah um it's it's nice to to grab onto the positives we tend to i know that we've got complaining a little bit on the show and <laughs> i wanted we, to make sure we we grab some things that really? we like yeah. yeah 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 picky artists are picky hey get over it yeah <laughs> Speaking of picky oh. artists, I'm I'm interested to see how some of the picky artists decide to use some of the new uh, slab and stair and wall variants. Because I, going nice. back to my buddy Ector's stream from the other night, uh, he was building with uh, endstone brick slabs and stairs. And as soon as he started building a wall out of it with a little bit more kind of block variation in there and kind of having supporting structures made out of stairs and slabs, I kind of went, oh yeah, endstone brick is basically just stone brick with a really different color sort of set like a different color palette to it and mm -hmm. i kind of thought you know why don't i use that more and i'm like oh right that's because there aren't any slabs and stairs for it so yeah i kind of i'm, I'm eyeballing 
Endstone brick again and thinking maybe I should do some more stuff with this. It certainly justifies quite how much Endstone is available to you once you get out to the end and just mine up one of those islands. So I'm, I'm eyeballing that stuff. And that actually ties into our next user-submitted question, our viewer-submitted question, I should say, uh, from the Pro Prince, who says, Hey guys, with all of the 1.14 slabs and stairs coming into the game, would you want to see any other missing or niche items added? As an example, we have hay bale blocks, but not sugarcane blocks. And this is something that's actually solved by the Quark mod, because Quark actually has sugarcane walls. I think I used them myself in the Division SMP server, which is one where we had Quark installed. Um, so the Pro Prince says that they would like uh, black nether brick, flint blocks, wood chest variants, and maybe an ore added to the end the same way that quartz comes from the nether. How about you, Joel? What would you add that's already in the game but you want a block variant of? So I already have black nether brick, but I guess he means an addition to... Yes, um, yeah, rather than a retexture actually being like a whole separate brick. material. So, yeah. so, have, so have there be the red nether brick, the wine-colored nether brick, and then mm -hmm. the black be like a, a separate thing. Yeah. Because uh, one of the reasons why I did make the black nether brick is because it gives me stairs <laughs> and slabs yeah. that I can yeah, use yeah. for roofs and things. Uh, the Where my brain went on this, and we end up coming back to this again, I think, in a later email, but I like the idea of terracotta stairs i know people want to get into concrete but i've been playing on bastin with a custom texture pack where germsy boy has turned concrete blocks into various different types of roof shingles mm -hmm. uh now it's specifically vastin is meant to be a medieval kind of style so anything that was futuristic that kind of said well we don't need concrete right we don't need these bright colors we're going to turn them into something useful and fix it so, touched on this last week actually saying yes, that he precisely. was expecting concrete stairs and slabs to be added so it was like hey let's use these for roofs now so that we can have way more variation when they actually arrive yeah and then they didn't yeah but what i'm thinking in terms of just like multifunctionality like mo yang has said a number of times that they don't want to just add a block into the game that does one thing they want it to be multiple multiple mm -hmm. things so i like the idea of terracotta stairs but if you craft them into tiles so the idea being like you can use your regular terracotta blocks uh but if you do like maybe a two by two or even a nine a three by three i'd be okay if it was expensive uh those terracotta blocks would then get turned into tile blocks and if the tile blocks also had stairs and slabs then you could have a red tile roof you could have a blue tile roof for things like so i don't know like a like a greek like a modern athens or mo mo a modern modern greek build uh with the white you know concrete walls and the blue roofs mm -hmm. uh i just like the the opportunities there to have terracotta which is a real you know material used in roofing uh and i think would be you know educational for the minecraft player uh, it doesn't make it super easy because mesas are sometimes hard to find. You know, they might have to travel a long way to mine everything. Um, I think that that would be an excellent way to get some additional colors for your roof blocks and have it not all be just black. Now, one of them obviously could be a dark, you know, your dark brown or whatever. You could have like your dark, um, like shingled roof or asphalt roof mm -hmm. or something like that but i think that terracotta crafted into tiles would be great because then you could use that tile texture flat on the ground for like tiled floor in the kitchen or you know tiled you know it, you could use it for different things adding some texture to paths that kind of thing just having some bricks that weren't straight up stone or you yeah know, some variant on the above would be would be kind of useful yeah exactly i'd be down for um like it's very similar to purper because purper is just a straight two by two square pattern yeah. yeah right within a block and if that was something like imagine if that was like like a, a terracotta color you know like a 
pot color or like a like a flower pot color mm-hmm. or or even like a blue you know like a like the same way that lapis has got when you make a lapis block if you had like blue tiles and you could put that on a roof like that would look stunning yeah yeah on on the subject of quark actually quark has midori blocks which are basically the same as purple but i think they're crafted with cactus green where purple would be crafted with popped chorus fruit and right. they are green variants of purple the same kind of texture sort of onion skinned over the top of a green block and they are really right. different they're quite an interesting color and it's something that isn't really present in current minecraft except maybe in some of the melon stripes and so they're they're worth looking into if you're interested in some some extra building stuff and want to install a module or two of quark in your worlds but nice. um for me actually yeah i'm going to dive back into quark one more time because quark has paper walls um and i think those are a really great idea and a very popular idea too people are always trying out uh asian style builds kind of japanese shoji paper walls dividing rooms look really great but it's not something that's possible to do in minecraft right now even things like white stained glass doesn't quite have the same effect because of the amount of transparency it has having a kind Mm. of opaque block that occupies the same space as a an iron bar or a glass pane would would be really great really great and it would definitely add a lot more authenticity to when you want to build japanese inspired builds um Mm. so so that would be nice and easy to do paper already exists in the game all you need to do is maybe because actual shoji is like paper uh with like sticks in a frame you could essentially do the same thing as a crafting recipe in minecraft uh you could just have you know paper Mm. in a plus shape and then sticks on the four corners or something like that be nice and easy to uh to implement yeah yeah, yeah. So I was going to ask that, like, if you wanted like a paper block, like a square block, or a paper pane. I, yeah, I, I think I think a combination of the two, even just something that you could make like glass and then would turn into panes from there, would be good. But you know, yeah. if if it came to it, I would settle for just having a pane that went down the center of a block like a divider, in the, the same way that iron bars and glass panes do right my issue with with that unfortunately is how the game currently handles the lighting and that i never like the way that glass panes look compared to glass blocks yeah so if i have an opportunity to make a a glass window wall uh thick enough to house glass blocks it always looks so much better even with my connected glass texture that you can always see the squares in the panes Yeah, yeah whereas when with for whatever reason when you connect the uh, the glass blocks which have the same connected texture you can't see the edges of it and i don't know why that is uh maybe it's just because like the the front and back edge of the block are just so far apart that you just can't see that or I don't, i'm not sure how the physics work if, again if anybody technical can tell me why that happens with glass panes versus glass blocks because i think it would be an awesome idea to have a semi-transparent thing even if even if you have to have shaders on to see it but like if you and I were playing in the same world and I was walking behind your paper wall and you could see my shadow. And a kind of like silhouette back thing, yeah. Yeah, oh, like yeah, that would be really cool. And I think, unfortunately, that effect would be broken if the same lighting effect was being applied to the to paper panes. Like mm-hmm. if, it would, if you could also see the grid, it would kind of lose it. But a seamless paper pane, whoa, man, yeah, that would be really cool. If you could do some kind of like shadow theater thing, <laughs> that would be yeah, super yeah. awesome. But, you know, we're, we're <laughs> getting a, a little bit too deep you, in the yeah, I can, I, There's a couple of YouTubers that come to mind that I think would have a lot of fun with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) too funny uh our next chunk mail comes from bexy and they would like to say i loved hearing all of your opinions on the new textures as well as the dragon fight shenanigans i thought i would share my experience of dragon fights as well i've mostly fought the dragon in groups and large groups that are around 30 players holy crap 
uh, which means that we can have a bit of fun with how the dragon is killed. We've done beds before with snowballs and the crystals. This time, however, we beat the dragon purely with sticks and mostly iron armor, just because we could. Not only did it work, but uh, we, it was over pretty quickly. Well, with 30 on one, I would imagine it would be. Uh, <laughs> and I absolutely, uh, it was absolutely hilarious to watch. I think everyone had a really good time working on it together. And hopefully the same group will get a, to raid a Woodland Mansion uh, probably in the same way, you know, with some sort of challenge that they put out for themselves. Sticks? I don't have that kind of time, Bexy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I almost feel sorry for the dragon. Just being slowly beaten to death with sticks sounds rough. Yeah. Poke, but, poke, um, poke, 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 <laughs> poke. Ch- I, th- I think these challenges are what helps keep the game a little fresh. Um, yeah. re- remind me to tell you about the time that we cleared out an ocean monument using only signs. Uh, that's probably one for another episode, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of fun things you can do once you get into the mechanics. And when you've been around the block a few times, as far as Minecraft goes, you can come up with some very creative solutions to these boss fight type situations. So uh, yeah, it was funny when the um, when the dragon's head item was first added in the 1.9 snapshots before it actually appeared as a feature of N City ships because I think they they added it to the creative inventory before they added it in the world at all and there was this kind of thread of speculation on reddit people asking you know well how are we going to be able to obtain the dragon's head and i joked that you'd only be able to obtain it by killing the dragon with a charged creeper (laughs) which is basically the way you get mob heads aside from that so yeah i I can imagine somebody has probably done that like found a way of of attacking the dragon with charged creepers at some point i imagine you know tango or yeah any of the technical folks from Cycraft will probably have found a way to do that yeah yeah uh this weekend actually uh alistair and maccast on the citadel took on the dragon uh maccast wanted to get some elytra because there's been some issues with our end and shulker boxes and right yeah he, he tried it and he went and he lost his elytra and i thought oh dude like that it's getting to the point where some people are just not having fun yeah so yeah. uh so we did we implemented two things well one the the Dragon dropping Elytra has been a data pack that I put on the server quite a while ago. It's just that we haven't fought the dragon since. Uh, I wasn't around because I was doing some other stuff, uh, some charities work with Vastin, but um, they were saying that the dragon fight had changed with uh, the implementation of the the data pack. And I'm just sort of now dawning as to why that might have been. The dragon did not go through the second pattern of landing on the end portal middle right uh, yeah. or the exit portal yeah uh for them to go attack and gather dragon's breath and fight the thing uh i'm assuming because the data pack says dragon drops elytra they probably don't want the dragon to die at any point above the exit portal because then that elytra has a chance to just go into the the world unless you have a collection area which we do um it's still possible that you you might not get back to uh your your spawn point uh, your world spawn in time to grab the elytra uh, so i imagine that they probably forced the dragon in the data pack to land in other places but what they said was in that respect the dragon was then no longer attacking them so the first part of the fight was typical but after they killed all the uh, end crystals the dragon really got passive and didn't attack them at all and it became uh, like harder to kill because it was if it was swooping down it felt arbitrary it didn't feel like it was attacking it didn't feel like it was part of a pattern it just kind of like decided to swoop down yeah uh, so I, I don't know whether that's necessarily a challenge to the dragon fight because they felt that it was maybe 
not as not as aggressive but also then they had to try and figure out how to kill it without having the elytra really drop off into the void yeah you don't want the dragon you don't want that to happen over the over the the edge of the main end island that's how uh, the so dragon I don't... fight used to be with uh before 1.9 the dragon right once you took out all the crystals it just kind of like flew around and waited for you to kill it with bow and arrows and you know yeah. the, the only chance you yeah. got to have a melee hit on it was when it would sweep down like that to try and attack you so yeah, yeah almost reverting the dragon fight back to pre 1.9 days in that case yeah the other data pack that we implemented <clears throat> again probably for the quality of life of other people on the server uh is um endermites will burrow into purple and oh, turn to, into a shulker to, yeah to spawn shulkers yeah that's, that's... yeah so if, so rather than going to the end and and potentially losing your elytra because that was the thing like you know you'd go to get the shulkers you'd get three or four and even though you might have been smart and put them in your ender chest, at some point you probably died. And it's just, it's not, you can't get back to your stuff fast enough if you died with your only set of Elytra. So um, for the sake of shulkers and everybody doing cooler things on the server, we implemented that. And it's still not easy. I I tried it after implementing the data pack to see if it worked. It took me 10 minutes to get one shulker. Yeah. Yeah, it's... because it's a it's a chance that an ender might spawn. Like you don't get it. It's, it's not relatively right? rare, isn't it? I'm, I'm I've actually been yeah. using ender pearls to get around a fair amount between builds in my survival guide world, and I still mm -hmm. haven't had a chance to explain endermites because none of them have shown up yet. <laughs> yeah, and so that and therein lies the not broken part of this data pack i think because i mean as you're bouncing yourself back and forth in this little purper pit you're constantly hitting the wall and killing yourself and then you've got to eat food wait to heal so you don't die and then fire the ender pearl back and forth and back and forth and you can't do it without all your gear on because then you really will take a lot of damage like you kind of have to maintain you know some of your stuff on you so it's it's tedious i remember that from setting up some of the enderman farms that we have in in the end that you like you need to put an endermite in a minecart and like all the videos make it look real easy but it's not hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not at all yeah it's it's a little it's a little tricky uh i think in the interest of time i want to skip ahead to one of the other questions we got from a member of our discord this one comes from cameron who says, Hello, Joel and Pixel. I've enjoyed the Spawn Chunks podcast immensely so far. The series has been a great inspiration, and it's nice to see the different and informed perspectives that you both bring to the, to the discussion. Thank you very much. If I can get my words out, I will try and give you an informed perspective on this. Uh, Microsoft <laughs> have stated that they want to make Minecraft the first 100-year game. It's certainly regaining popularity since they started fleshing out the game's existing content in the past few updates, and will hopefully continue to do so in the future ones. Once regions like the Underground, the Nether, and the End are updated, what do you think is in store for Minecraft's future? Machine learning, controlling things like difficulty and NPC interaction? Procedurally generated features? More immersion via virtual reality? A deviation from the medieval themes of Minecraft? Or perhaps implementation of radical yet popular changes such as microblocks? Or maybe a complete decentralization of content? How do you think Minecraft as a game will evolve? Thanks for reading, Cameron. So this one obviously has a lot of options here, and I figured it would be worth getting into before we uh, before we wrap up. There's one other question I do want to read before we wrap up, and we will try and get to the couple of questions that we have missed in the post show in the the second half of the render distance. But uh, I really wanted to dive into this one because it's an interesting question. Yeah, I. It's funny when I started producing content for Minecraft, doing YouTube videos and streaming and stuff. I was like, man, am I late to the game? Like, is this going to be worth? you know, trying to generate some following and, and and enjoy the time I'm playing in Minecraft and become part of this community. Like, is it just like an uphill battle? It's just, it's so, is it so populated and 
possibly even on its way out with things like Fortnite and uh, Overwatch and other things being so prevalent on Twitch. And uh, I actually just read an article that Alistair shared on uh, my Discord the other day from Ars Technica. And the title of the article is Forget Fortnite, My Son is Still Obsessed with Minecraft. <laughs> now, uh, it's an interesting read. And uh, hold on to your nuggets if you go in and read it, uh, adults, because he analyzes Minecraft and his son's behavior in terms of medical addiction. And it's a, it's a little eye-opening. It's a, it's a little like, oh, geez, maybe I spend a little bit too much time in Minecraft myself um, when you look at it from that perspective. I think he, he uses that that analogy to illustrate a point, but he illustrates it quite well. Uh, and uh, it just it goes to show that there are kids that are always going to be coming into the age where Minecraft is appropriate, but Fortnite is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, or games like Fortnite is not, or parents that just would prefer their kids don't run around and shoot people in video games. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff, you know, I mean, Minecraft has bows and arrows and swords and there's PVP, but it's more like tag than it really is. Um, I think that the difference is just firearms like that. That seems to be yeah, a I think big dividing line. It is, it is admittedly a little bit more difficult for modern kids to get hold of swords, bows and arrows than in some countries, at least it is for them to there get hold go. of firearms. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really, I really think that there is some staying power to Minecraft, uh, but what I see it going or where I see it going. And uh, I believe that Cameron mentioned this in his email about availability no, it was you. Sorry, it's you in your notes talking about the availability of hardware. I think VR is eventually going to transform Minecraft and take it to the next level. Uh, yeah. I am disappointed that it has not been more of a focus in either, even if it's just publicity stunts and demonstrations. I'm seeing so much from things like uh, Oculus Rift and a couple of artists that I follow where they're painting in essentially resolutions similar to Minecraft. But they're doing these 3D VR paintings that are animated and they're immersive. They're low res, but they're still every bit as imaginative as anything you've ever seen in Minecraft. I would love to try Minecraft in VR. I don't want to play... The, the thing is, I don't want to play Bedrock. Like I want to, I want the same experience that I get in Java, but I want it in a VR experience. The ability to look around and, and be that immersed in the thing that you're building. Like I'm telling you right now, I'd have to bring my barf bag when I'm working on that tree in Vastin. <laughs> yeah. I, even the on my 27 go. inch monitor, when I jump off a 250 and the Elytra doesn't activate for the first hundred blocks of that fall before the server catches up, mm -hmm. woof. Like that. I mean, it's it's not a bad server to die on because you can get yourself back to geared up in, in seconds, but it's still that like just gut-wrenching drop of like hitting terminal velocity in the game. And that would be epic, I think, <laughs> in, yeah. in VR. Um, recently, there's been some images from, it's not InSight, but it's the other rover that NASA has on on Mars. Mm -hmm. And they've been posting them on Facebook in these um, these 3D rotating photos things that you can do 360 degrees yeah sure yeah not a cool experience if you're on a browser on a computer but if you're on your phone and you have a big enough phone you just you don't scroll with your finger you turn yourself in yeah space. yeah you, you, like look when you look around the room yeah, yeah you as if you're looking through your phone at mars it mm -hmm. is phenomenal and to do that in minecraft with a pair of goggles i am there and i think <laughs> 
I think that that would open up the game. And I think that we talked earlier about, you know, uh, Redstone being training for kind of like, you know, getting your kids into electronics and coding at an early age. I think just the spatial education, the idea of like being inside of a thing and making a thing from the inside and the outside and understanding just spatial mechanics, perspective, distance, all that kind of stuff that would come with VR. I mean, you're talking about people that are going to become engineers, architects, uh, artists, sculptors. Like, I think that that, I think VR is probably where you're going to see Mojang take Minecraft next. Yeah, I haven't really given a great deal of thought to how developing and kind of emerging technology is going to influence the future of the game because I'm so focused on the now. I'm very much like living in the present as far as Minecraft goes. Um, and machine learning and VR almost would seem too high concept for me, even though I know that VR and even augmented reality versions of Minecraft have been developed. I, I remember seeing the HoloLens video a while back yes. of the kind of demonstration of Minecraft with that and kind of thinking this all seems very kind of tech demo, but how is a playable version of it going to be made available? I would love to see like having the capability of just viewing something that you have built like on the table of your living room is still pretty awesome despite, mm -hmm. you know, maybe not being able to navigate around the game in the same way that you might when you were just playing it on a PC or or with a VR headset. Uh, but I think stuff like that really does come down to the accessibility of the hardware. How possible is it going to be for people to access that kind of stuff in future? How affordable is VR going to be? Considering that they are still developing Minecraft for old hardware because people don't have the money or the, you know... They, they, they have decided not to upgrade their kids' iPads to whatever the current version is. You know, they don't... They, mm. it's, it's either unaffordable to them or they don't think it's a necessity. So they're still having to put in quality options that reduce, you know, the render distance and the animations and everything just to allow it to perform on older hardware, yet still developing it for the kind of stuff that you need a really powerful computer to do, like having VR running at a frame rate that isn't going to make you throw up and, mm. and all sorts of stuff like that. So... I'm not certain quite how far they can push it without moving the goalposts a little bit and actually shutting out some of the people who are playing on older technology. At what point do we draw the line and say, look, for the future of the game, it is not going to be possible for us to develop on old platforms anymore. It's always heartbreaking to people when this happens. I remember working for Disney when Disney Infinity was the thing. And mm -hmm. sadly, RIP, uh, no longer around. But I remember people being very disappointed that the second iteration of that game wasn't coming out on the Nintendo Wii. And I was <laughs> writing email support for them at the time and go going, guys, look, we just we just don't have the, the hardware capability on the Wii to run all of the stuff that we want to run. Like the original Disney Infinity title was fairly stripped back on the Wii anyway. So mm -hmm. it's just not possible. But so many people were still using the Wii as a family console because as a family console, it was brilliant and still mm -hmm. is. Like, you can still open up Wii Sports Resort and have a great time. So, yeah, it's kind of strange to realize that we are going to have to start moving those goalposts at some point. And obviously, that's totally up to Mojang. And it depends what you consider the core experience of Minecraft as well, because there are going to be further developments in the Minecraft brand, which are not tied into Minecraft as we currently know it. Think about Minecraft Dungeons, which was announced right. as only one of several other Minecraft branded projects they have in the works. And I'm interested to find out what the others could be, because quite aside from the future of Minecraft on Java or Minecraft on Bedrock, we have these other Minecraft properties that can continue to enhance the experience, do some of the more radical stuff. You know, Dungeons is where you're going to see them 
putting in decorations for the environment that just aren't possible in a standard Minecraft world without stuff like micro blocks and that kind of, you know, chisels and bits approach to things where everything is chopped up and pixelated down. And we talked more and more about Minecraft becoming a game engine in its own right rather than just a game that people play. And I wonder how much further that has to develop. I think looking at the kind of code side of things, I think Mojang are going to be very protective of the core experience, but they still recognize that the modding scene played a huge part in the rise of the game. And so mm -hmm. now they're, you know, opening up code to people. They're kind of displaying stuff on GitHub for people. We talked about, you know, the glass rendering thing earlier, and I wonder if maybe that's something people can fix when it comes to them exposing the code for their new rendering engine. And right. having players kind of feed their stuff back into the game is just going to allow a new kind of level of interaction between players and devs, which is hitherto unheard of. We've we've had suggestions going to Minecraft back and forth for years, but actually being able to contribute to the code of things and things being a little bit more open source, that's potentially where the future lies, at least for now. But who can predict what's going to happen 100 years down the line? If this is going to be a 100-year game, I'm not going to be around to see the end of it. Yeah. So that's that's part of the reason I think I'm more concentrated on the present than anything else. Yeah, out of curiosity with all these different IPs that are in mystery, uh, do you have any concerns about the spread of Minecraft and the attention of Mojang into these other IPs leaving Minecraft a little bit in the lurch, like maybe slower development than people would like, less frequent updates than people would like because these new IPs need need more work? If you had asked me a year ago, I would have said yes, because that was the time at which we saw the Minecraft, the Microsoft side of the team really growing, and they weren't really hiring anybody new for Java, and that was the time when all of the doomsayers in various communities online were saying, okay, Java Minecraft is going the way of the dinosaur. They've got a better platform here. It's running in you know, C++ or C Sharp or whatever the programming languages they use to code it for the bedrock editions that's the way it's going to go they've got render distance that goes up to 128 blocks when i can barely manage 16 with optifine surely you know they're going to start phasing out java minecraft since then the java minecraft development team has i think more than doubled in size and and devs who used to work on java and then went away for a little bit came back and suddenly like there seems to be a resurgence in java and they are treating java as a platform that minecraft is always going to run on i almost feel like the developers of java itself might quit before the developers at mojang do when it comes to the that version of minecraft but in in terms of it being a hundred year game it's also going to have to be passed on to new people because you know these are all adults working on the game in a hundred years realistically speaking some of them probably not going to be around so how the game is going to evolve over the next few years depends on the people more than I think the technology. It depends on people having the right vision for the game. Mm. And we're talking in a lot more vague terms than I think Cameron wanted us to, but I'm, I'm not ever one given to future speculation. I just hope that whoever takes over from Minecraft, whatever the next generation of Minecraft is, they've got the kind of core philosophy at heart, which is it being a game about creativity and exploration and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the thing that I'm thinking of is the stuff that I've watched with Blizzard, you know, as I mean, in Warcraft is still, you know, a very popular game. There's lots of people playing it. There's lots of new content. But I definitely felt uh, the division, you know, as Overwatch, Heroes of the Storm, Hearthstone. I know they're all different departments, but it 
it was the not so much the division maybe necessarily of the company but the division of the player base yeah uh going to different games because they enjoyed those better or whatever and that's one of the reasons why i don't play blizzard games anymore is because a lot of the experience that i had i liked warcraft i liked the world of warcraft stuff but it was because it was my pace uh heroes of the storm and while fun was too fat like it just i'm just i'm not good at those kind of games so you your level of fun has a ceiling yeah uh so for me i you know i didn't really enjoy world of warcraft as much anymore so then i ended up i really only ever had time for one video game in my life anyway so right now it's minecraft and and so i i the switch was easy because of that division of player base so i i'd be curious to see if um moyang looks to examples like blizzard with here's the storm and overwatch and then takes some of the existing minecraft flavor and then puts it into other styles of games so that as your minecraft player becomes tired of minecraft and wants to play fortnite can also say like well i I like dungeon crawlers too maybe i'd rather play minecraft dungeons because i'm familiar with minecraft and this is just like a different play different gameplay but in the same world that i've already got some nostalgia with and yeah. character especially if they start to get into story and character like if Man- minecraft dungeons has more than just like you the player and actually has characters yeah. you know with lore and stuff like that and those characters can then be put into other games with you know with their like that character can then be transported into another game place type like you know a, a battle arena or whatever it, i yeah it that could be some really really fun stuff but uh i know we have one one last email before we 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 wrap up and that is from anagram she's a member of our discord and patreon uh dear joel and johnny it has been a joy to follow your podcast and discord group almost since the beginning and to see them both steadily growing stronger you have expanded my Minecraft world, and I look forward to walking into 20, 2019 with you, which brings me to my question. Leaving 2018 with 20 episodes behind you, what is your vision for the Spawn Chunks in 2019? Well, thir- first, Anagram, thank you very much. That's very sweet. And I'm happy that you've been around for so long. It's really nice to have been getting to know new people in Discord, but also really nice to kind of tip our hats to the people that have been around since basically day one. Uh, it's a it's a really really cool community and everybody that's old and new is just as welcoming and, and as warm as uh as uh, their i guess their discord cohorts which is really really nice to see uh i uh, i'm curious johnny like where 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 are your thoughts about where we should take spawn chunks in 2019 uh well i guess we have to figure out roundtable discussions now <laughs> which is interesting <laughs> yeah, that's true. because to, to poach true. a little bit from the outros here uh we actually met our what is currently our final milestone goal on the Patreon page, but it's absolutely not our final milestone goal. We just have them drafted in the background and ready to release uh, later on once we've kind of finalized a couple of details. But yeah, we managed to hit, right before the this podcast actually, we hit uh, $101 of our funding total. We're at 41 patrons, which are a massive push from where we were last week. And uh, yeah, somebody joined up and I noticed there was a couple of dollars left. So I just put a thing out on Twitter and was like, hey guys, we've only got $2 left before we hit this milestone goal and we start like evolving the show in new directions. It's a really exciting time. And then, yeah, pointed that out and a couple of other people happened to hop on. So thank you guys all for that. Again, I want to echo what Joel said there and just thank you for all of the support you've shown so far and and the continued commitment of the people who've been with us since the beginning. We could not be doing this without you. Um, 
So vision for 2019, uh, I think we've done a fantastic job of staying consistent with the show because a mm-hmm. lot of podcasts you will find people like they take breaks here and there and that's, I feel like, hurts growth quite a lot. If, you know, you, you can't rely on something to be there for you every week, then you tend to tune out and look for something different. So I would love to continue, like after we've had this two-week break, just can just start 2019 making the show that we're making now and... I think we've got a really solid format here. I don't think there's a huge amount I would change. And most of the feedback we've had from the Smeltery, which is the the kind of all producer Discord uh, chat where some of our um, the, the, the folks who fund us a little bit more will sort of share feedback about the show. Nobody's really had any solid suggestions of like, I think you're not doing this right or you should maybe consider doing this. Most of it has just been incredibly supportive of what we already do. Um mm-hmm. I would love to get more guests on the show as well. And the roundtable discussion is going to be a part of that where we're going to try and have a guest on every month, especially if it makes sense for whatever we want to discuss. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I think getting more people on board, especially now that we've grown to the point where we have this many shows under our belt, I think we're going to start seeing a few more people getting interested in being on the show. We're going to be able to reach out to more people and see if they're interested in dropping by, even if it's just for you know 20 minutes to half an hour discussion with somebody who's super into redstone or super into building that we can really do a deep dive on something that they're passionate about yeah no i agree i think that um i mean to kind of reveal a few of the things that we've got coming up uh the next uh patreon milestone goal which will be up on the patreon page probably by the time people listen to the podcast uh that is a uh quarterly patron hangout uh, we did a surprise for the patrons um, about a month ago. Yeah, and, pa- Patron uh, Appreciation Day, as, as that's Patreon right. yeah. decided to dub it. Yeah, yeah. so we jumped into an audio chat with a bunch of people that were in, in the Patron Discord chat, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, it was great to talk to people and, and hear voices that you normally just see typing, you know, in the chat. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we thought we would do is if we hit our next goal is to open up a, a regular patron chat where... Uh, Johnny and I will be talking specifically about the spawn chunks, about what we've been talking about, about where we're going with the show. Um, it might get into some game related stuff, but mostly more, more of an inside baseball, uh, idea. And that is to make sure that the people that are supporting us on, on Patreon are getting the show that they want and that they feel that their voices are heard. And, and I enjoy that. Like I enjoy that back and forth. Uh, and I want to encourage people because I know how, uh, how, we'll say articulate our discord is that uh, if you do have criticism about the show, it doesn't all have to be, you know, um, how great you think the show is. I mean, it's, uh, it's flattering, but I would love to have some constructive stuff in there too. If there's something that you'd like us to touch on more of, if you would like us to complain about textures less, you know, mm-hmm. then there's things like that, that I think would be, would be uh, good to have in there as well. I'd like to do a little bit more interaction personally with with some patrons and some people in the discord uh i do find sometimes when i get busy it's hard to keep up on the discord so um one of the things actually i just saw tossed around i'm going to give a shout out to stanley and who was the other person that was talking about it i think it might have been uh mana chaser both of these folks are in the discord have been for a while and they were just saying like you know i should pop into audio chat when I play more often so that if anybody else in Spun Chunks Discord is playing, we could just chat as opposed to having to have your um, your Spawn Town uh, chat room open in one window while you play Minecraft and have to look over and read the chat. You could just talk to somebody. So that kind of sparked my idea that Johnny and I could potentially explore having a couple of different voice channels 
in the chat that are specifically meant for, hey, if you're just chilling out and playing the game and you want to talk to somebody, hang out in here. You don't have to, but you can. And that's the kind of thing that I might do. Like I wouldn't do it when I was streaming, but I would certainly, if I was just mining out some stuff and I wanted to talk to some patrons, I mean, I would, I'm just sitting at the computer playing games anyway, I think it'd be fun. So those are the kind of things that we're going to be, you know, looking at. There's no, you know, I don't want to say, you know, positive, you know, yes, we're doing this and no, we're not doing that because the lovely thing about podcasts and the lovely thing about uh, Patreons is that they can fluctuate, you know, like you can test things out, you can see what works, you can see what doesn't work before we implement uh, any changes or any um, we'll say new developments in the show, we usually bounce it around in that smeltery chat room with a couple of other people and get feedback, you know, wording on goals, uh, pricing on things like, what does that feel good at? What do you think that that will do for existing patrons? Do you think that'll feel worth it? Those kind of things are all, um, really, really fun conversations to have in the discord. And I'm, I'm just looking forward to doing more of that and interacting with, with more patrons. To uh, pull back the curtain a little bit further here, one of the other upcoming Patreon goals, which is the one beyond the uh, quarterly patron hangout, is us getting paid basically for our day's work on the show. Joel and I are mm-hmm. both like jobbing freelance professionals the rest of the time. You know, I, I have my part time job and doing YouTube and stuff on the side. Joel has illustration and design and all of that stuff alongside streaming and doing this and doing the other two podcasts that you do. Uh, and, and and who knows, because podcasts just seem to be popping out of the woodwork these days. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a passion project for us, this. And it has been since the beginning. Ever since we started talking on that first episode of the Citadel Cafe that I popped into, we were like, you know, we should do a podcast about Minecraft one of these days. And it's been incredible so far. And that Patreon goal allowing us to basically get paid for dedicating the full day of Monday to research for the show production on the show Mm -hmm. uh yeah paying our way towards you know making sure it's audio editing and that we don't have to worry about doing our our jobs on top of this as well that's Mm -hmm. that's a goal that i would love to reach in 2019 not as any kind of you know (laughs) any kind of money grubbing kind of uh attitude to it more just so that we can feel like this is part of our lives in that way you know like it's it's all about you know, fi- finding that work-life balance. And while this show doesn't necessarily feel like work, it would be great to treat it as work and put more research into episodes and really deep dive on some of the stuff that we want to talk about. Make sure that we're checking our facts, you know, crossing the T's, dotting the I's. Exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. And and the end result of that, you know, when, when you and I don't have to split our attention across Monday to various duties plus the podcast means that everybody listening just gets a better podcast, right? Like that's, Absolutely, that's, yeah. the, that's the end game, yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the roundtables. Uh, though those are more than likely going to be, you know, maybe a little bit longer episode. I mean, it, it just naturally with three voices, if we are able to bring in guests once a month and those kind of things. Um, to be clear, they're not going to be interview shows. They're not necessarily going to be something like Fix It uh, or when we talked with Wells Knight. Uh, we'd still like to do those. Those are just going to be separate, kind of like one-off occasions. But the monthly roundtables, now that we've unlocked them. Uh, it's just going to be like a real quick rundown of like, here's the news bulletins. Uh, we may or may not get into them if they're topical, but then we can just sit around with someone that we haven't had on the show before uh, and just talk about Minecraft and just kind of like see where the conversation leads us in the round table. So it might be a nice break from the kind of format that we've got going and just kind of like break things up a little bit in the listening cycle and, and keep it fresh. 
definitely I'm takes the pressure off the those. guest. If, if the guest feels like they're being interviewed yes. as well, you know, it's kind yeah. of, you've, got, you've got to be on your A game. Whereas if it's just like a, a kind of informal discussion sort of thing, I feel like a lot, a lot of people might be a bit more comfortable with that as a format, especially exactly. if, if we're bringing them on and they're like, well, I'm not really anything special. I'm like, no, you are, but you've also got so much to contribute <laughs> that it's going to be uh, fantastic to get more people on. But with that, I think that's going to wrap up another episode of the Spawn Chunks and indeed the Spawn Chunks for 2018. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm having a hard time not expressing how grateful I am constantly at this point because it's been amazing starting this in 2018 and hopefully 2019 will be just as good. But in the meantime, you can find out more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today, including probably a rundown of all of the chunk mail we got at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me and... Despite the fact that we have mentioned this several times at this point, The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you feel like doing a little bit of giving over this season of giving, then consider putting some value back into the podcast by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Pledging at any level there will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and ease us ever closer to our next set of Patreon goals. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations still go a long way, despite the fact that we have been doing this for four or five months now, we are still a considerably young podcast. So while you're playing with your friends, while you're hanging out with your server mates over the holidays, ask them if they listen to the Spawn Chunks, and if they don't, tell them that they should. You can contact the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com and get your email in the 2019 chunk mail section and you can subscribe to the spun chunks by name on your favorite podcast platform or podcast app that includes itunes android stitcher and spotify the rss feed for the show is on the and the patron only rss feed is the only place that you can listen to the render distance my name is Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I have a Minecraft survival guide series for beginners and a multiplayer Let's Play series called Decidedly Vanilla. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. And I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I might be taking a bit of a hiatus over Christmas, but the rest of the time I'm playing some of the Final Fantasy series and really enjoying myself. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. I recently revamped that whole site, so the portfolio and the web store are all brand new. If you're interested in hiring me, just, just drop me a line through the website. I do the Citadel Cafe podcast about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. We are doing episode 300 this Wednesday. We're celebrating with having multiple hosts all on at the same time. Should be a fun show. Comics Coast to Coast is done for the year. We recorded our holiday special last week with myself, Brian Dunaway and Hammond Chamberlain and he is our annual holiday guest and we talked about Santa Claus the history the nervous kids at malls uh, it was a hoot so go check out Comics Coast to Coast wherever you find your podcasts you can follow me on YouTube Twitch Twitter and Instagram with just my name look for me on the realm of Vastin I will hopefully be playing a little bit more over the holidays as I have a little bit of downtime and I would like to thank anyone and everyone that was out supporting Jennifer Harper uh, this past Sunday on the Twitch stream that we did uh there was over six hundred dollars raised in just the three hour stream i know for a fact that several of the names that i saw scrolling by on the donation list are people that i recognize from the spawn chunks community so on behalf of grumpy owl myself and Klautos, that is uh jennifer's brother uh, a big thank you for all the people that came out and supported the gofundme for jennifer is now up over five thousand dollars i will repost that link in the spawn chunks notes this week thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite and it looks like it's snowing outside. Happy holidays!